This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Spoiled Saturdays. Yes. Have we only done one of these? It's been a minute since we've done one. I think we've one. done two. Okay. We've I definitely we've done, done something that was like in the realm of Spoiled Saturdays. I don't know if we've called it that yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. But yes, as the title suggests, spoilers, <laughs> massive spoilers, everything's spoiled. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the new Spider-Verse movie, go away, come back. Go move, see move along, people. Come on. Yeah, come on. Uh, as I was doing this, I realized we never did the first one. We kind of talked about it in the... Uh, we did? Our... Huh. No, we never did it. We talked about it in a, briefly in our superhero-themed holiday feminist movies around the world where we did, like, Batman and Iron Man 3 and Spider-Verse. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? I guess we need to come back to it then. We should. I have so many thoughts on that. As I was doing this, I had such a glorious moment of, it's so nice when you just know something so well that I'm just writing from the heart. Right. Like, I don't have those, to like, like look at other <laughs> when we were talking about doing it I was like this is gonna be an easy one for you just go for it <laughs> yeah the hard part was condensing it to be honest but <laughs> I tried my best uh yes which <laughs> listener she does have a little uh, little warning a side note keep it brief essentially <laughs> brief yes. Annie <laughs> to myself I wrote it in there like don't do it and and speaking of because I wanted to go into all these tangents about like the animation and the technology involved. That's not really this podcast. Um, but I did do that on Movie Crush when I did an episode on the first one where I really went in. Um, so if you want to listen to that, I would recommend it. It's very nerdy. I'm talking about like the Kirby dots and the Kirby crackle and all this stuff. It's great. <laughs> um, but to say like new technologies have been invented to make these movies. They have an R&D department to make these movies. So really cool stuff. Um, this one has been very successful. It has very been very critically acclaimed. It made more money and its opening weeks than the first one did 
altogether. So it's doing well. And yes, as Samantha and I were discussing right before, there are two different versions of this movie in theaters. Essentially, what happened was there was kind of a complaint about some of the audio. So they fixed some of the audio. And then there's about 20 very small differences in between the two of them. So that's just, if you want to look it up, there's some guidelines of the differences. So you can be like, oh, there we go. That's the version I'm watching. (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to do a rundown of this plot because it's kind of... It's a lot, and I feel like I'll just, uh, it'll be easier if I just go through Just go. (laughs) Just go. Okay. So, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the 2023 sequel of the critically acclaimed 2018 Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, both written and produced by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Um, Both of these films are unique in their animation styles. They have 2D, they have 3D, they have stop motion, um, different frame rates, uh, bright colors, and just a lot of different stylistic animations like noir, anime, punk, and colors that make them very, very beautiful. It is like watching a living comic book. So in the first movie, which yes, I will keep this brief, uh, Miles Morales discovers a multiverse of alternate universes and their respective spider people, and not even people always, um, with their help, he learns to accept his role as Spider-Man after the death of Peter Parker in his universe. Along the way, learning his uncle Aaron is the Prowler, who is a villain, and he gets killed by Kingpin, while also strengthening his relationship with his father, who is a police officer. All of the other Spider-People are returned to their own universes. The second one picks up pretty much right where that one ended, though it starts with Spider-Woman slash Gwen Stacy's uh, POV and going a bit more in-depth into her backstory of how she... Uh, Spider-Woman was blamed for the death of her best friend and only friend, Peter Parker, something that has made her really closed off and has driven a wedge in her relationship with her police chief father, who is determined to catch Spider-Woman and bring her to justice, not knowing it's Gwen and kind of not understanding why Gwen doesn't want him to do it. (laughs) Um, After the events of the first film, she misses Miles, who is the first friend she'd made after the death of Peter. While investigating a disturbance, she sees a sort of Italian Renaissance version of the Vulture. And by the way, the song on the soundtrack is called Vulture Gets Culture because it happens at a museum and I love it. Um, Anyway, (laughs) he's glitching, indicating that he is from another universe. They fight and soon Miguel O'Hara slash Spider-Man 2099 shows up uh, from his universe to aid her. Um, And he was introduced uh, as an Easter egg in the end credits of the first one, actually. He also shows up with another Spider-Woman, Jess Drew, and together they are able to subdue Vulture. Um, Gwen reveals her true identity to her father, and he tries to arrest her. Hurt, Gwen accepts Miguel's very reluctant offer to join the Spider Society and escapes into a portal with him and Jess. So basically, he's implying he's having to grow and clean up their mess that they created by trying to fix this collider multiverse problem. And he's not happy about it. And he doesn't want her in the society. But Jess is like, no, no, I think we should have her in. Meanwhile, Miles is struggling to balance his responsibilities as Spider-Man with those of his family and academic life as it comes time for college applications, especially when his family doesn't want him to leave Brooklyn. 
He also imagines telling them about his identity as Spider-Man, that he holds himself back even as his parents suspect he is lying to them. And he misses Gwen too. He also does not have much in the way of friends, so he keeps mentioning these friends like Gwen, and his parents are like, why haven't we never met Gwen? And he's like, oh, (laughs) well. um, He encounters what he calls a bad guy of the week called The Spot. I'm just going to call him Spot throughout this, but it's The Spot, who, after the accident with all the alternate universes at the company he worked for, Alchemex, from the first one, he has these interdimensional spots and portals on his body. He blames Miles for what happened to him and reveals that he transported the spider that bit Miles from another dimension, Earth-42. Spot learns how to travel through universes using his spots and decides to increase his power to become more than a bad guy of the week. Gwen and Miles reunite, and he follows her and learns she's been tracking Spot through dimensions. Jess tells Gwen to leave Miles behind, but Miles jumps in the portal after Gwen taking them to Mumbatan on Earth 5101. Mumbatan being Mumbai and Manhattan uh, mixed together. They join forces with that universe's Spider-Man, Pavatir Prabhakar and Hobie Brown, um, Spider-Punk, as you might know him, to take on Spot, who is draining that universe's collider to increase his power. Spot escapes, but he leaves Miles with this vision of the death of his father, Jeff, who had just been promoted to police captain. While Pavatir is saving his girlfriend, he sees her father, the police captain, uh, in danger, but is unable to get to him in time without dropping his girlfriend. So Miles saves him instead, but Mumbatan starts to collapse because Miles has disrupted a, quote, canon event. While some spider people come to do damage control, Gwen, Hobie, and Miles go to the Society's headquarters on Miguel's world, Earth 928, and it's this huge complex with hundreds of spider people. Okay, so brief aside, I know I probably don't have to explain this because I've talked about it a million times on here, but canon is something that is produced by an accepted, authentic author. And in something like Marvel, it's even more than that. It is the current accepted properties, storylines, works that are accepted as the, quote, real ongoing story as decided by whoever owns the property. In this case, it would be Marvel slash Disney, i.e. anything not canon would be something like Legends, which is what it's called in Star Wars, um, and no longer has any impact on the current canon. Though a lot of crossover can be had there, which is very confusing. (laughs) Very, very confusing. There is also headcanon, which is like your own personal idea of what happened and you keep it to yourself, uh, but that's just in your head. That's how it went. And then there's fanon, which is like when a bunch of headcanons come together and make fanon. And that can be confusing because you think you hear it all the time because fans believe it. You think that it's canon, but it's fanon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole uh, TikTok trend now. I know. What to is make it? Mistakes. Tell me what it is. It's essentially, I think, when people make mistakes or do something that's so common, but it, like they're going to have to learn for themselves, oh. it's just canon. <laughs> okay. And uh, it took me a long time to be like, what? Yeah, I kept seeing headlines about it. I assumed it was something like, 
very silly, like, this is my canon event and you stubbed a toe or something. But I no. I don't know. It's essentially, like, every person, every fandom or every group of, like, growing into this age or doing this. Mm. I guess it could be, like, when I say my niece is going to come to Atlanta, she'll learn for herself uh. and then become more liberated, I guess, in, in that way, or <laughs> liberal. Uh-huh. That's, like, that's canon. That okay. level. Interesting. All right. Well, listeners, let me know because I, yeah, I, I was. I think that's what I assumed. Well, that's what it seems. Rather. You could have a lot of fun with it. I'll say that. So, in this case of this movie, a canon event would be something that has to happen. Yes, because it is canon. So Miles is reunited with his mentor Peter B. Parker and introduced to his daughter May Day or May, um, who Peter had uh, in part because he wanted to raise a child like Miles. Miguel informs Miles that every Spider-Man has a canon event that cannot be changed without wrecking reality, usually the death of a loved one. After a tragedy in his own universe, Miguel attempted to replace another version of himself who was happy, but it led to that universe to collapse, and he did care about that version of his family, but they all kind of got wiped out. Miles realizes that his canon event is coming in two days, the murder of his father by Spot. He tries to escape to change it, but Miguel imprisons him. Later, Hobie helps break him out uh, before jumping away in a portal, quitting the society. He's a very, like, fight the system, fight the man. Um, so <laughs> I'm done. Um, and they have these handy-dandy uh, wristband portal jumping things, which is the gizmo from the end credits of the first one. Um, Miguel orders all spider people to stop Miles, uh, resulting in a hectic chase where he tells Miles that he is a mistake, that without him, his reality's Peter Parker would still be alive, and that spider was never supposed to bite him, and the reality uh, the spider came from doesn't have a Spider-Man. Um, so, Miles manages to get back to the, quote, get home machine <laughs> with the help of Spider-Bite, uh, also known as Margot. And this is a machine that uses DNA to send people to their home dimension. He returns to his home dimension after realizing that Gwen and Peter B. Uh, knew about all of this, and he feels very betrayed by that. He reveals that he is Spider-Man to his mom, but she doesn't know uh, who he's talking about. And then Uncle Aaron arrives, and Miles realizes he is in the wrong reality. The reality of the spider that bit him was from this reality, and it is the one that has no Spider-Man, so you can, like, see chaos outside. Aaron surprise attacks Miles, and when Miles wakes up, he's tied to a punching bag, which, by the way, is a running joke about Spider-Man being a punching bag. Um, and he learns, in this universe, Aaron isn't the Prowler. Miles is. Meanwhile, Miguel kicks Gwen out of the Spider-Society, and she returns to her universe to learn that her father quit his job. They reconcile, and he gives her... The portal watch thing. I'm sure there's an official name, but, you know, uh, that Hobie has left for her. Uh, she uses it to go to Miles' universe, intending to help him, only to learn he's not there. Uh, a team from the society are there, too. Miguel and Jess and Scarlet Spider, who's like the really angsty emo Spider-Man. Gwen puts together a team to help Miles, including Peter B., Spider-Noir, uh, Spider-Ham, Pavetier, Hobie, Margot, and Mayday. And that's how it ends. Cliffhanger! Tennessee just sounds perfect. 
whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. So in this alternate universe, uh, his dad, Miles' dad, is dead and Aaron has survived. But that brings me to one of the things that, of course, kept popping up in my feed. The creators have said this is their version of The Empire Strikes Back. It has the vision of losing a loved one, but it's inverted because it's so, it's sort of like the the reveal at the end is that, oh, I'm the villain and oh, my dad is dead. Instead of Empire Strikes Back, the reveal is, oh, my dad's the villain and he's alive. Oh. Yeah, but it has a bunch of like, if again, if I was left to my druthers, as the cool people say, I would just go into that and talk about <laughs> the similarities oh, and the differences. But one person pointed out it's actually more like Matrix Reloaded because you get mm. to the end of Matrix Reloaded and you realize like this whole time you thought you were fighting to do the right thing and do good and there's this whole system in place that is keeping you from changing anything. So I thought that was interesting. Um, there's also a big... Uh, I don't know if it's theory is the right word, but a lot of people have pointed out that in the first one, when Miles and Spider-Man first interact, Spider-Man has like the red, blue, uh, like spider tingle things happening. And Miles has purple and green and they kind of have like this headache moment. And some people have said he was supposed to be that world's prowler. But because of the spider from the other universe... Things went differently. <laughs> like when Uncle Aaron dies, he becomes the new prowler. Is that what it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be, yeah. Like he was, because he loved Destined. his Uncle Aaron. Yeah. And yeah, was following in his footsteps, really wanted to do it. Um, they haven't, I don't think the creators have said if they meant to do it or not, but it feels very, they they don't usually put anything in these movies without it meaning something. <laughs> so, which leads us to the discussion, one of the big things people have talked about um, is whether or not there's a trans character in this movie. Um, and so the reason people are talking about that is because, um, quote, the film subtly integrates additional affirmation for the transgender community and Spider-Gwen, voiced by Haley Steinfeld, prominently displaying pink and blue hues, symbolic of the transgender flag, while her father's police uniform briefly reveals a badge adorned with the trans flag. 
Um, and so in Gwen's world, it's very, it's watercolor based. Um, the colors are representative of her emotions and how she feels at that moment. And most often, they are the colors of the trans flag. And the artists clearly know what those colors are if they have a trans flag featured in two different instances in her world. So the art styles in these movies are very specific to each character, and they are meant to communicate something about that character. Here's a quote from one of the creators about the futuristic slash Blade Runner style that they used for Miguel's world. And you can see the lines on Miguel, like the pencil is unfinished. It's kind of a cruel joke on Miguel, who's essentially asserting that the future is written. But the image is constantly undermining his argument and saying, in fact, the future is not completely fleshed out. And here's a quote from Vox. Devotees have pointed out that the Spider Woman is literally, e.g., has a trans flag in her room, and symbolically, e.g., experiences the allegory of coming out, depicted as a trans ally, if not trans herself. Gwen's possible transness and even her allyship is a big deal. So from fan The Green Casey, quote, trans and even cis fans have every right to say Gwen Stacy is trans. Even if the movies never outright confirm it, we can't deny that it's been hinted at. The fact is, if she can make somebody feel represented, who are you to tell them they're wrong? Fans also notice that Gwen's father, policeman George Stacy, has a transgender flag that he wears on his uniform. Uh, that's notable for a couple of reasons. One of those is that in the real world, trans rights activists have said that trans people, especially Black transgender people, often face discrimination from law enforcement. Said discrimination is a huge reason why trans people don't feel comfortable asking police for help. Yes. Uh, and you see him wearing the flag after he accepts her identity as Spider-Woman and believes her because she's continually telling him this and he doesn't believe her, indicating that he is an ally. And some speculate that he would only be an ally in the context of Gwen's potential of being trans if he had a trans family member. And it made me happy because uh, the Mark Hamill gif is going around again of when he says, if you believe Luke Skywalker is gay, he's gay. <laughs> yes. But that brings us to the question, why not do it outright? Countries censor LGBTQ plus content and studios know it. And they are, studios are primarily profit driven. Again, they are not allies. That's what we talked about in our recent episode about what's happening uh, in a bunch, of, <laughs> a bunch of these companies in the U.S. Even with this small mention, like I didn't even notice it the first time. This movie has been banned in two countries. And yeah, that's like what we talked about with what's going on with Target and Bud Light facing backlash. Um, it's not an excuse at all, but that is what they're thinking. And I will note, the creators have kind of flat out said that the studio meddles. They're kind of being... Hmm. <laughs> sneaky about it but basically they were fired from solo uh i don't know if you know that but anyway they were and they have said about that always remember the original trilogy were independent movies uh yeah um something else before we move on from gwen stacy gwen stacy is kind of infamous uh for an example of fridging it's not just that but in Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, there's that kind of like slow-mo fall that she has. But that's based on um, the night Gwen Stacy died, which is 
this very well-known comic. And when it came out, people were shocked and Marvel received death threats because she was a popular character. People loved her and she died because it was implied, it was very dark. It was a like stark turn uh, for their normal storytelling because the implication was maybe he had killed her uh, from the whiplash of catching her. And that's how she died. Mm. But it started this whole thing called Gwen Stacy syndrome because, because that was it was such a popular plotline, even though people were pissed about it and they were hurt about it. It became like this iconic scene. And in every Spider-Man movie, I'm pretty sure literally every Spider-Man movie, there's some kind of reference of like somebody following and you catch them with the web. It became known as Gwen Stacy syndrome. And it was kind of the start of like, it's just not safe to date, be a woman dating Spider-Man. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if you're just like a one-off or like you've been dating for a while, like you are not safe. Um, so it's this whole thing. I would love to come back and talk about that more. And in this, in this movie, Gwen Stacy says in every other universe, Gwen Stacy falls for Spider-Man, which kind of implies like love, but it also implies, yeah, literally like a literal okay. fall. <laughs> okay. Yes. But let us move on for now to canon events and problems with fandom and canon. Uh, we've talked about toxic fandom at length, but that's kind of what's going on here. Uh, from The Verge, here's a quote. It's an insidious, pernicious, and this is especially important racist idea that has thrived in segments of the Spider-Man fandom ever since Miles first appeared in Marvel's comics. And the way Across the Spider-Verse subverts it to deepen Miles' lore is one of the movie's most spectacular feats. So they were saying the real villain is not Miguel or the spot. It is this toxic fandom. Um, when Miles, uh, who is a teen of Black and Puerto Rican descent, was introduced in 2011, there was a huge backlash, a sort of like not my Spider-Man thing that was definitely soaked in racism going on. And this overall idea that he wasn't as good as Peter Parker, um, that he was not really Spider-Man, which is at the heart of the whole film, of Miles being told he's a mistake. If you weren't here, your universe of Spider-Man would still be here. You're not supposed to be here. That he's the, quote, original anomaly that started this whole thing. Um, and Miles saying, I'm going to do things my own way. We don't have time to get into this. But also, when Miles was first introduced, he was not given a lot of depth. Um, that is not to excuse any racist attacks at all. But it did improve. Like, But that says something, too, of people saying, like, well, you gave Peter Parker so much attention and time and depth, and then you introduced this character and really didn't do it. But these movies have and the games, the games too, have really given, like, fleshed out his character a lot more. There is the idea, I saw a quote from one of the creators involved of, like, encountering this anger from fans that it has to be the same story over and over. And if you deviate from that in any way, just anger about it. And so in the movie, it's Miles tampering with canon that makes Miguel angry. Uh, not the dimension-jumping villain. That is, like, what really upsets him. Um, and then canon getting to dictate who gets to be Spider-Man when the message at the heart of these movies is that anyone can be Spider-Man. Um, I also think there's a moment of, that's, like, examining bad allyship at the end uh, with Gwen and Peter B. 
choosing to protect the status quo over him. Like, did it, they didn't tell him anything about it. They were willing to, like, just go ahead with this. And then realizing that they, they were wrong. And, and then you do have, people loved it, but Hobie's whole fight the power vibe. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is wrong. We shouldn't be doing it. Um, it is also a coming of age story for sure. Um, realizing that things weren't what you thought that they were. Um, and identity, growing up as a superhero for sure. According to Vox's Alex Abad Santos, who I have, we've been quoting throughout. Across the Spider-Verse centralizes queer and trans imagery, symbolism, and allegories while creating a Spider-Man whose narrative identity operates with a lot of components of a coming out story. So that's actually from MovieWeb about the Vox article that we have been quoting. <laughs> but yeah, the, like the whole idea of fe- the fear of telling your guardians, of being told you don't belong, his mother's message of never let anyone tell you you don't belong fits into all of this. Yeah, and the quote goes on, Rios' worries about her son mirror so many fears that parents of LGBTQ children have, mainly that family acceptance is the easy part, and it's that not being able to protect them from the world that they live in is much more difficult. She knows he has a secret, and she'll love him no matter what, but she also knows that not everyone will accept her son as much as she does. And yeah, that's from the Vox article. Yes. Yeah, and there are a lot of articles about this, about kind of the... um how queer people connect to that idea of you have to hide this part of yourself and being afraid to share it. So that's that's really interesting. I think that's one of the reasons it resonates for so many people too. Um, well, we have to talk about the animation a little bit. I'm going to rein myself in, but um, <laughs> I would say literally every frame, pause it, it's art. I did it with the first one. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> there's so much going on. I remember a lot of people were saying, oh, I'm so overstimulated after seeing it. And I saw it before you and I went together right? Um, on my second time. But my first time I was in the front row and I was like... <laughs> All the way back, like a plane in turbulence. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, both of them, I was like, I, because I still have bad vision anyway. Mm-hmm. And then my cl- contacts often get blurry. But, but the way it sets up, I adjusted my contacts a lot, realizing, oh, no, that's just, that's yep. just the way it is. It's not <laughs> yeah. my vision as I typically think it is. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it took a lot. I'm like, oh, God, blinking. So many blinkings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it is really cool, like all the different styles yeah. and frame rates and how they interact. And it is also, I will say, the longest ever animated film produced by an American studio. And it is part, it's essentially part one of two. I mean, it's a trilogy, right. but I really feel like this one and the next one are like a two-parter. They said they tried to put it all in one movie, but it just was not happening. A, a 14-year-old did get hired to animate the Lego scene. The creator saw it on YouTube, did not realize it was a 14-year-old. <laughs> they were so impressed. They were like, all right. <laughs> they have a major motion picture under their resume at 14. Like, they yes. are, they're done. They're, they're ready. Like, they can make <laughs> these movies. Yes, yes. There have been some articles coming out lately, which is especially interesting because we're still in the midst of the writer's strike about some animators saying that this was not sustainable. They can't keep working like this. Um, and, and in the words of this person, the next movie, which is supposed to come out in March, might not come out in 2024 at all because it is so much. And several of the animators quit. One called it Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts. 
because of the lack of understanding by Lord, especially in this article, it was a Variety article, um, about how 3D animation works and late revisions. So essentially, like, at a certain point, you want to be, I, I can't just revise this at the end. It has to happen a lot in the beginning. But it was kind of the opposite of that. And apparently he needed to get every sequence approved. But it, it was interesting because they were talking about what they're talking about with the writer's strike right now and what we've talked about in, in industries like this and like that because they were saying, you know, you do, you want to work on something that you love and they know that. And also if you leave as an artist and someone else takes over, then your name, it's not yours anymore, especially if they fix it at the end, that revision. So they were talking about like, Maybe we need to do something with the union or or something like that. So we'll see how how that plays out. There is also, to add more work onto them, a woman-led spinoff called Spider-Woman in the mix. I don't know much about that yet. I don't think they've really said much about it. And then a lot of articles have also come out and, and have made the argument that the success of these films shows that people do want to see more diverse representation, that it is more representative of all of us. Um, here's a quote from NPR. In North America, exit tracking found that the audience was about one-third Latino and another third Black and Asian, diversity percentages far higher than for most superhero films. And like going back to the trans, the possibility of a trans character like so many people were talking about that. And it's one, it's one of those things, like I'm really happy that's in there. That's a flag that says protect trans kids in, in Gwen's room. But it, it's also so frustrating that it's like those little scraps where you're like, ah, representation. I, I mean, I'm super thrilled it's in there, but it's also like, we could get more. <laughs> we could get more. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And then, because I have been really good and I haven't gone too long, we're going to have a fun bit at the bottom, okay? Which is just some of my random Easter eggs. All right? Holy shit. Okay, so just behind the curtain here, I saw the outro. I thought it was the end. There's a whole, no. whole other page. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I didn't. Expecting. I was going to cut it if we went too long, okay. but we did Okay, okay. So we're going to have like, fun. I just like it was a surprise. This whole recording oh, has been I, a surprise. I, I, I'm just, I, I, I like to keep you on your toes. You do. I like it. I do. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, so a couple of random Easter eggs. There is a, I believe it's a, a billboard that says all of it always all over the place. And it's a bagel place, which is everything, everywhere, all at once. I love it. Uh, there's a Venom bit. Yes. There's I a love reference. that. Donald Glover does show Donald up. Donald Glover. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a couple, not a lot, of pokes at Marvel's. As in the MCUs, because soon this will be Marvel as well. Um, Spider-Man, like Doctor Strange, and <laughs> what are yeah. they up to? <laughs> yes. But I really want to go through a very fun list. This is so minuscule. So Polygon has this article where you, they identified like pretty much all of the spider people. Um, and some of them are so funny. But please look up the article. I was cackling reading it and I can't believe this is all real but it is uh, so all these quotes are from them but I thought Samantha you and I could go back and forth with a few of my favorite ones okay let's start with Jess Drew uh, quote created in 1976 in a rush to stop an animation studio from grabbing the trademark to the spider woman name comic book Jessica actually has no real relation to either Peter Parker or Miles Morales, having instead acquired her powers in a bewilderingly arcane origin involving Hydra, her geneticist father, and possibly a talking cow. Spider versus Jess is thus a wholesale reinvention of the concept, though comics Jess did famously have a book in which she did superhero stuff while pregnant, which she did in the movie. Yes. Hobie Brown. He was fun. Hobie won the affection of fans by siding with people against their corporate oppressors, leading the downtrodden masses against the establishment, and breaking his guitar over the head of the United States president. I like it. Love it. Oh my gosh. Also, he's very English punk. Love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. In the in the in this. It's like magazine cutouts animation. It's so good. It's so good. Bombastic Bagman. Peter Parker learned to his horror that the black costume he had been wearing was actually a symbiote alien from another planet. That left him briefly without any costume to wear around town, but longtime frenemy Johnny Human Torch Storm lent a hand, giving Parker one of his own extra suits, a paper lunch bag to put over his face, and a kick-me sign surreptitiously taped to his back for good measure. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe this is real. <laughs> Spider-Cat. Which, yeah, you said spider people earlier. There are a lot of them were not yes. people. <laughs> yeah. He is Spider-Man and also a cat. 
the the typical coterie of gamers from Earth 999, Spider Cat gained his powers through an encounter with one of the mystical spider totems in an untold tale that presumably makes as much sense as any other story involving the mystical spider totems. That's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. I didn't know this. This yes, is how little which, I know Spider Verse, but wow. Okay. Oh, yes. Listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Tarker? <laughs> Spider Rex. Is it Petiter? Um, or just there's no Because it's a pterodactyl. A it's a pterodactyl. Oh. Which so we maybe see. It, yeah. Yeah. But okay. it is spelled everybody P T E T R P T A R K E R. Uh, but anyway, Spider Rex. A resident of the prehistoric world of Earth 66, Wallflower T Rex Peter. Tarker had a chance encounter with a spider-filled meteorite, granting him wondrous spider-like powers. In an early battle against his nemesis, Narana Sorman, uh, Tarker accidentally allowed a tree branch to take the life of the villain, teaching him an important lesson about responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then we have the Peter Park car. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an anthropomorphic talking car Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These are all in the movie. It's all in the movies. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. So all of those were quotes from that Polygon article uh, that's kind of just tracking all of the Easter eggs in there. So please, please go read it. I was laughing so hard when I was reading it. <laughs> but you can feel kind of the, it shines through that the fans are making these and they're putting in all of these things. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Can't wait to go again. Oh. Yes. Wow. This was fun. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about doing another Spoiled Saturdays. So if you have suggestions for that, please let us know. Uh, you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. Uh, we're also on YouTube. We have a tea public store. We have a book. You can pre-order it. It is coming out August 29th. Um, you can pre-order it at stuffyoushouldreadbooks.com. We also, you can pre-order it on Audible. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. Hope I didn't spoil everything for you. And <laughs> thanks to you. For oh no, me. yeah. <laughs> Stuff on Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee.
Sounds perfect. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.